Hi, welcome to the Charlotte Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message and that it both encourages and inspires you. Who thinks that's good? All right. You know, a question I get asked a bit is like, well, Phil, you're always getting cool words and cool things are happening to you when you go to places. How, does that, how can I have that happen for me? And so what I thought I'd do today is I'll talk about how to set yourself up for a God encounter. And I'll tell you what I do before I go to a conference, before I go to an event, before, you know, even if I'm, I'm just going through something and I really want to encounter God, I really need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, what it is that I do in my life to prep myself for that. I thought I'll walk you through all of that so that you can encounter God. If you're coming next week, I think this is going to set you up for a life-changing weekend. But if you're traveling, if you're, you know, if you're putting on your hazmat suit and you're going to go to the state of Victoria or something like that and you're not going to be there, this will prep you for the next time that you attend something so that you can really get the most out of it and encounter God. Because have you ever noticed, I don't know if it's you, have you ever been to an event and it was just pretty normal and mundane for you, but like the person next to you is having a life-changing weekend. And it's like, we're all breathing the same oxygen. I'm singing the same songs. I'm listening to the same sermon. What is it about them that they're having this experience? And for me, why am I not having that same thing? So I looked at that a few years ago and I studied that. And this is what I do. Are you ready? Turn with me in the Bible to the book of Acts chapter 1. If people talk about encountering the Holy Spirit, usually people talk about the day of Pentecost. Now, I don't know about you, but if I want a counter, I'm going to go after a Pentecost type encounter. But what we tend to do is when we look at this scripture, we tend to focus on the actual encounter itself. But the Bible doesn't just talk about the encounter. It talks about everything that leads up to the encounter, which is really where I think we can glean some pretty cool wisdom. Acts chapter 1, we're going to be reading from verse 12. Um, and uh, while you're turning there, let me quickly pray over the message. Dear Jesus, please get me right out of the way so that you can speak through me, so people don't just hear my voice, that they would hear your voice. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen. I brought my Bible or you could Google it. Either way, you'll be able to get it. It'll change your life. Acts chapter 1 from verse 12. I'm reading from the Passion Translation for something different. It says, The disciples left the Mount of Olives and returned to Jerusalem less than a mile away. Arriving there, they went into a large second floor room to pray. Pause. It's already something that's right here. Let me give you the backdrop of what's happened. So they walk down a mountain, basically, if you study the geography, and they go into a house and they gather. Now, you've got to ask yourself, why did they gather? What were they trying to do? It wasn't because they were bored. It wasn't because they didn't have any other options. In fact, in Jerusalem, at that point in time, there was a very, very significant event taking place. Jerusalem would have been jam-packed. It would have been hard to get accommodation. All the hotels would have been booked out. Airbnb would have been a struggle, right? There was an entire festival going on outside those doors. The festival is called Shavuot. That's the Hebrew word. But in English, it's translated as the festival of weeks or sometimes the day of first fruit. Now, I don't have time to get into the Festival of Weeks or the Day of First Fruit, um, but suffice to say, it was a really big deal. So outside this house that they were booked in, outside of the place that they were staying, outside of the place where they were praying and seeking the Holy Spirit, there was a party going on. This was a festival that people would have been looking forward to. You know when people talk about Christmas or Easter and they're looking forward to it arriving because it's a social gathering as much as it's a spiritual thing and there's presents exchanged and all that kind of stuff. This 
would have been just like there. It would have been wild outside and they would have wanted to be there, but they secluded themselves away from all of that, right? And more than that, these people here that the Bible is describing in Acts chapter 1 were Jewish. So it wasn't just an option for them to attend. The expectation would have been that they should attend as good Jewish people. They would have been expected to be there. They would have known that their mum and their dad and their uncles and their aunties and their sisters and their brothers and their children and cousins and all the rest of it all would have been there. They would have been thinking, well, I bet Auntie Ruth's going to bake those cakes that we love so much. I bet grandma's going to make those delicious cured meats that I know is so good. I wonder if Uncle Andrew is going to be bringing that delicious wine that he brings every year or if Brother Philip is going to be baking that bread that he bakes so well. They would have been thinking all of those kinds of things. As they walked through the streets, they would have been hearing the party going on in different people's houses, the hubbub of conversation as they passed from window to window to get to the house where the upper room was there. See, for them, this wasn't just some festival they were missing out on to go into the upper room and pray. This was more than that. This would have been expected that they turn up and it would have maybe ruffled some feathers the wrong way that they didn't. I can imagine the conversation in some of the parties. Hey, Hannah, do you know where Simon is? He, he's normally here by now. Or, hey, Uncle David, have you seen Luke? He, was, he normally brings the fermented wine every year. He hasn't brought it this year. I haven't seen him, right? Or, hey, mum, do you think Mary's going to be here today? Like, you don't just skip over Shavuot. It's the festival of weeks. You need to be at that. Imagine for a moment, if you will, if your brother or sister was getting married and you bailed on the wedding day to attend something else. You would want that thing that you were attending to be a pretty big deal. Do you know what I'm saying? It needed to be pretty important to justify you missing out on a wedding day. The same is true here. So if you're taking notes, number one, God meets us in the room of our expectations. Come on, everyone say number one. Come on, say it like you're alive. God meets us in the room of our expectations. God meets us in the room of our expectations. So what does that mean? It means have big expectations, right? If your room is where God is gonna show up, don't pick a crummy little hotel room in a valley that's dodgy. Pick a mountain chalet where you can see over things. If you're believing for God to show up, believe for Him to show up in a big way. Come on, if, you, if you're with that, give us a wave. They did not just expect it to be any old prayer meeting. You would not have skipped a festival of weeks for an average prayer meeting. They were expecting something ridiculous, something amazing, something extreme. And that's why they skipped out on a very, very important event, right? Now, did they know exactly what the Holy Spirit was going to be like when He showed up? No, they did not. Did they know what it would feel like? No, they did not, right? but they had learned a thing or two about the Holy Spirit from their time walking with Jesus. They knew that when He showed up, whatever He did, it was gonna blow their mind. They knew that when He showed up, He would come with immense power that breakthrough was in His hands. And they knew that an encounter with the Holy Spirit was an encounter with God themselves. So yes, they were missing out on an encounter with their aunties and their uncles and all the rest of it, but they were about to walk into the presence of living God. And so they had that level of expectation about this room. That's why they said, I can't be at that family party. That's why they said, I want be attending the festival parade. That's why they said, I won't be doing what's expected of me as a good Jewish boy or a good Jewish girl, because I'm about to get face to face with the living God. That's not any old thing. That's worth ruffling a few feathers for. 
So they carried big expectations. Have you noticed, I don't know about you, have you ever noticed that like the Saturday night at camp or the Sunday night if there's a Tim Hall meeting or someone powerfully that moves in the spirit is in town, there's a different sense in the atmosphere. Has anyone else noticed that? Eight of us, cool. Come on, give us a wave if you've ever felt that. God is the same. He hasn't changed. He was the same on the first night as he is there. I can tell you as a speaker, nothing changes for the speaker. You're there in all the meetings anyway. Often you're more tired by the last meeting. What changes is the expectation of the crowd of what God is going to do in the room and God meets us in our expectations. So if you want a Saturday night encounter on the first night, you can have it. You've just got to walk in there with that expectations. They walked into that room with the expectation that they were going to have a radical, life-changing, Holy Ghost encounter. That's what they walked into that room with and they put their money where their mouth is. So whenever I'm going into a place and I want God to do something, I want to carry large expectation, right? Because God will meet us in our expectations. Who knows what I mean? If you're expecting it just to be an ordinary meeting next Friday night or next Saturday, I'll just go. I'll see how it is. It'll just be like church. They'll babble on about leadership. I'm not really going to get much out of it. That's probably what you'll get. And you'll walk out and you'll go, yep, just as what I thought it was. But if you go in there going, no, no, no. Phil has been talking, he's been banging the drum all year about influence in my family, influence in my workplace, influence in my school, and I don't feel I have it. So I'm just going to walk in there and I'm going to expect that God is going to deposit some of His anointing. I'm going to walk out having influence with my grandkids that I didn't think was possible. I'm going to have influence in my business that I didn't think was possible. I'm going to be upskilled. I'm going to encounter the Holy Spirit. I'm going to walk away different from how I walked in. If you carry that kind of an expectation That's where God's going to meet you. So when I go somewhere and I'm dry and I need an encounter with God, I don't walk in there wondering, maybe God will be in the place. Maybe He'll encounter me. Maybe I'll have a life-changing weekend. I go in going, Lord, I am turning up today because I want to get face to face with You. I am dry, Lord, and I need rain. And I know that You control the water and can in the clouds, right? So I'm coming in here. I'm raising my hands. I'm using my voice, Lord God. I'm reaching out to You as best as I know how. I'm doing everything I know so that You will encounter me. And I have that expectation. And more often than not, that's exactly what I walk out with. And I'll be next to somebody else. Oh, I hate this song. Oh, they're singing this one again. Oh, why do they always sing that bit over and over? I can read. I know. And the guy next to me, he goes out having his expectations met, which are low. What do you expect coming into this weekend? I, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. I'm expecting to laugh, cry, be challenged. I'm expecting some untangible things. There'll be things I learn from Paul and Joe. They're phenomenal preachers. I'm definitely expecting great preaching. But in my experience, when I'm in these kinds of environments, God does something in the atmosphere. You know what I mean? Like you go to a Tim Hall meeting, something happens in the atmosphere, even when you're not getting prayed for, right? So I'm expecting something to happen in the atmosphere that changes me. I know that my leadership in every area, my family, friends, business, ministry, gets leveled up when it's anointed by God. The anointing is in the atmosphere. So I'm expecting that anointing to rain down on me. That's what I'm expecting this coming weekend. What are you expecting? Your expectation is where God meets you, right? So expect big things. Come on, if you believe that, say amen. Amen. Verse 
13, just skipping ahead, says, Those present were Peter, John, Jacob, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Jacob, son of Ephesus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of Jacob, had to clarify which Judas it was, um, and a number of women, including Mary, Jesus' mother. His brothers were all there as well. All of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. During this time, Peter stood up among the 120 believers who were gathered and said, pause. I don't know if you just picked up what was there. Number two, everyone say number two. Your inputs determine your outputs. Your inputs determine your outputs. So what does that mean though? Well, it means that we should start seeking him now for what we want him to do next week. Think about it. They turned up to this house, right? We get the idea that it was this little like, Two or three bedroom thing, it was run down. They all cramped into the living room, had to move the TV out of the way maybe because there was a bunch of them there. That doesn't make sense at all. The house was so big, 120 people were housed for nine days. I mean, I don't know how big your house is. I couldn't fit 120 people for nine days. Give us a wave if you can fit 120 people in your house for nine days. Now, I get the impression from reading Scripture that they all didn't own houses like this. So they would have needed to organise a house that could fit 120 people sleeping, eating, drinking, all the rest of it for nine days. They would have need food. They would need water. Because remember, it's not like today. There's not just a tap. There was no like Uber Eats. You know what I mean? Like they would need to figure all of that out. Where is everybody going to stay? What is the sleeping arrangements going to be like? How's bedding going to work? Come on, who's ever had house guests over? It's one of the things I have learned that is both good and bad about living in Queensland. Everybody thinks I'm a free motel. Does anyone know what that's like? All the Southerners are like, oh, I don't need a hotel. We can just stay with Phil and Krista for weeks on end. Um, and it's a whole operation, especially, you know, for Krista's family. I don't want to be rude. So I've got to think about bedding. I've got to think about all this. It's a whole experience. Imagine if there was 120 in Krista's family and they were coming to stay at our house. Somebody had to go and go through all of that effort, Right because they were expecting the outcome, right? Your inputs determine your outputs. See, they had seen Jesus do this before. They had seen Him put hours of prayer and reap hours of breakthrough. They had seen Him put hours of fasting and reap hours of an outpouring of the Spirit. They had seen Him put in hours of ministry time and receive hours at the altar call with the crowds. They had seen Jesus put in and therefore receive back what He was sowing in. And they understood if we want a radical life-changing encounter with the Holy Spirit, we need to sow in what we're expecting to pull back out. Your inputs determine your outputs. I can imagine, the Bible doesn't say it, but I can imagine somebody like Peter saying, hey, do you remember the time that we tried to cast out the demon from that demon possessed girl and it didn't work. And so we took him to Jesus and Jesus said, ah, this kind only comes by prayer and fasting. That's the way you get rid of this. And we knew that we hadn't fasted enough. So Jesus was actually the one that had to cast it out. Well, I don't know about you boys, but that's not going to happen to me this time. I can imagine Thomas jumping in at that point and saying, well, this time I'm not doubting. This time I'm going to be ready. I don't care what you guys do in the festival of weeks, but you'll find me praying up a storm in the upper room. Can imagine Mary saying, well, I waited nine months for Jesus to arrive. One look in his eyes, I knew it was all worth it. I'll be there with you boys. There was an expectation and so they put in what they were expecting to get out. What are you putting in when you come to a God encounter? 
I expect God to move, yes, but I put my money where my mouth is. I put in what I'm expecting to get out. Verse 6 in the book of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 being the famous faith chapter says, He is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. So you need to earnestly seek God. The Bible is saying that when you go into things like a leadership summit or whatever else, and you go with the expectation that the God who supernaturally created the universe, that the God who can change every situation in your life, the God that has in His hand every miracle that you are hoping to receive for the rest of your life, that same God who will be here in the room, that we are supposed to earnestly seek that God out. We are supposed to earnestly pursue that guy. Come on, if you're listening, you're supposed to earnestly press in. The word earnestly means keenly, eagerly, genuinely, passionately, enthusiastically, fervently, ardently, fanatically and devotedly. The Bible is saying that's the kind of attention we could do to pursuing an encounter with God, right? In other words, put your money where your mouth is. Pray like crazy. I don't just pray when I get in the building on the Friday night. I pray in the lead up to it. I fast in the lead up to it. God, I'm dry. I need an encounter with Your presence. God, I don't care about anybody else. Everybody else can walk out the same. I cannot walk out the same. God, You don't understand. I got to walk out changed. So I'm skipping this meal right now, Lord God. Not because it's some weight loss thing. Not because I want to put up an Instagram picture. I'm not going to put up any of it at all. God, I don't care if nobody knows. I want You to know now, God, that I am desperate for an encounter with You. I don't know how to seek You the way some other people seek You. So I'm just going to get on my knees the old fashioned way and wear some footprints into my floor and pray it up. Lord God, I need an encounter with You. I need a miracle in this area of my life, Lord God. God, I don't just want to hear a couple messages of leadership. I need a touch of the anointing to be deposited on my heart that will open doors that have been closed for me before. God, I need You. I need You. That's how I pray. I pray all in the lead up to the event. Man, I'm ready for an encounter by the time the first drum beat hits. I have already prayed it up. I've already laid it in because I know my inputs determine my outputs. I don't input much. I don't get much out. I input a whole lot. A whole lot comes back out. You know, um, this is actually where I think we need to rub shoulders with some intercessors. Intercession a whole thing. I don't have time to preach on it in great detail. It's just standing in the gap between God and somebody else. My kids are coming on Friday night, Saturday. They're doing a whole, for those who don't know, kids program and rangers are merging all weekend. I want my kids to encounter God in a way that sets them up for the rest of their life. So I'm not just praying for me this week. I'm praying like that for my children to encounter God. Our teenagers that are in the building. I'm praying that our teenagers have a radical encounter with Jesus Christ, that they feel called not to be led by the world, but to be leaders in the world. I'm believing for that. I'm interceding for them. I'm praying for them. I'm fasting for them because I know my outputs are determined by what I put into it in the lead up to this week. If I'm going to a conference, let's just push it aside from the leader summit because it's not a sales plug. I'm just teaching you what I do, right? If I'm going to a conference and I am uh, stressed about stuff in my family, I'm praying for them in the lead up to that event so that when I walk in there, God knows that I have sowed in the ground. The Bible says, Let, let's not be, uh, let's not, you know, be mocked. Uh, what a man sows, he reaps, right? So I am going to sow in an encounter with the living God that is going to bring change to my family. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. You should be interceding. Husbands, fathers, business people, mothers, grandmothers, you should be interceding for what happens in this room. 
Well, my kids aren't going to be here. Pray for them anyway. (laughs) Pray that while you're here, something radical happens somewhere else. Pray that while you're here, something radical happens with your grandkids, that there's a shift, like be interceding for people and believing for breakthrough. Get radical, get passionate, get serious, right? They prayed for nine days, not nine minutes, not nine hours. They prayed for nine days before God showed up, right? That's radical. That's, that's crazy. That's earnestly seeking Him, right? So even if it's just, even if you've got to start somewhere, you're like, man, I'm, I never pray. Start with 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night. Just like put it, set a stopwatch on your phone and go, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes that I'm going to encounter God. I'm going to have a life-changing encounter with God. He's going to do something in my family. He's going to do something in my circle of friends. He's going to do something in the business world, right? The time to get ready for a God encounter is not as you're driving into the building. It's already done at that point. I, um, there's not in my notes, but I'll just put it, I'll just put it in there. I remember the first time I saw the Bethel Jesus culture guys. They were doing like a, like a healing thing. Now, this was the most ridiculous. It was amazing. They said, we're going to just, the pastor gets up. He's like, we're just going to pray for a couple of sick people and then I'll get stuck into the sermon. Two and a half hours later of healing after healing after healing after healing. He said, I don't think I have time to preach today. Let's just close with a song. Phenomenal. People were getting healed without him even praying for them. That was the level of anointing of God in the room, right? So we got chatting. We kind of hit it off. He said, hey, why don't you come out and hang out with us all this weekend? You just, wherever we go, we'll go. I was like, yeah, sure. So the next morning before the session started, I'm in the green room with the team. So it's away from everybody else. And they had their prayer meeting. And man, I was expecting it to be like a prayer meeting from heaven. I was expecting angels tongues as loud as it would shake the roof. I thought people could float. I don't know, anything could happen. Maybe people were going to get healed. I don't know. I was so excited. I was standing there with expectation. And they're like, let's pray. They said, let's hold hands. It was pre-COVID, right? So no, don't judge me. So we held hands. I thought, this is, this is it. I could get slain in the spirit at any moment. Do you know what the prayer meeting was like? Dear Jesus, we just, just want to honour you today. Put you, give you all the glory and the praise. It's not about us. It's about you. Just pray everybody sings well and does their thing. And Lord, no technical issues. That'd be really great. I mean, we'll work through them, God, but it'd be really great if that doesn't happen. Uh, just pray to the person left and right that God really blesses them and anoints them. In Jesus' name, amen. And everyone said amen, and they walked out. I was so disappointed. I thought I want my money back. Uh, like, I looked around just in case there was any like lingering angels. There wasn't any. And so I put the guy aside. I said, uh, was that it? He said, you know, Phil, when you're in the middle of a war, that's the wrong time to start training. He goes, our guys have fasted, prayed up, got themselves spiritually ready before they even hit the car park. He goes, we've either got it now or we don't. It's too late once we're halfway through the meeting to stop and pray for half an hour. It's too late to start fasting now as the drums are being hit, right? You have to bring it before you get there. Your inputs determine your outputs. Come into this weekend having sown in a God encounter. Don't be reliant on the prayer that happens in the car park because some muppet will cut you off and it will offend you. And if you're waiting on that, boom. Verse, the next verse says, we'll go from verse 1. It says, On the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered together in one place. 
Everyone say number three. Honour precedes glory. Honour precedes glory. So here they were, and it says that they were ready. They were in one place, right? Nobody was out running an errand. Nobody was on their phones texting a mate. Like they were ready. And more than that, they were actually ready to honour, right? Because there's a festival happening around them that the expectation would have been that they were going to be at, right? But instead, they prioritised a move of God. They honoured the presence of the Holy Spirit even before He turned up with the expectation that He would turn up, right? You got to think about that. What you prioritise, you honour in life, right? What you say is important, you honour in life. People say, oh, well, I haven't honoured that thing. Yeah, but it's, it's what you prioritise in your schedule. So it's important, right? What you prioritise with your finances, your time, etc., is what you honoured, right? And so here they were. They had other things on their mind, no doubt, that they had to push aside. They were, they were working people. They would have had jobs to go to, bills to pay, errands to run, things to do. But they pushed all of that aside for nine days because they prioritised having... An encounter with God, which means they honoured the idea of an encounter with God, right? And it wasn't that I'm sure the other things in their life weren't important. God, after all, was the one who invented the festival of weeks, right? Their jobs and those other things were important, but they placed a greater priority on honour than anything else, right? Um, Revelation 5.13 says, And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the seas, and they sang, Blessing and honour, glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. When I read that, I noticed something. Honour is listed before glory and power. And I don't know about you, but I want God to show up in glory and power. Does anyone else want that? A third of us, two thirds of it. We're praying that when he does, you get saved. I want God to show up. It says, though, that I have to honour him first before I'm expecting him to show up in glory and power. So I honour God in so many different ways. Obviously, we honour Him by singing in praise and worship, whether you like the song or not. We honour Him by being there. That's important. I get that. There's a whole bunch of different ways we honour Him. We honour Him in the lead up to it. You guys are all pretty smart people. So let me give you two not obvious things I think that honour God. The first one, are you ready? Be on time. Or as my old boss used to say, 15 minutes early is on time. If I was meeting the Queen, I wouldn't roll in late. The Prime Minister wanted a meeting with me. I wouldn't text him saying, sorry, traffic's bad. I'll be there in an hour. And if I was walking through, I wouldn't say, just a tick, Queen. I just got to smash out a couple of Facebook replies. Just give me 30 seconds and just, just, just hold that tea. Um, maybe get in a microwave. This might take a while. This person's having a real whinge. That would, I'd push all that aside. I'd be there early. I'd be there focused. My phone would be in aeroplane mode so that when I walked into the presence of the Queen, she would capture my full attention, right? She, I'm, I'm hanging on every word. If I want the presence of God, I'm not going to roll in 15 minutes late, reply to five messages, go to the toilet, talk to the person next to me. I'm coming in there ready to honour the presence of God. I am there early. I found my seat, which hopefully nobody took. Don't, isn't it annoying when people take your seat? We don't, we don't have our names on it, but we do. Uh, you know... And I'm ready to encounter the presence of God. If you want a God encounter, honour the presence of God. That's the first thing. The second thing that I do is I come ready to give before I get there. Now, I know there will be an offering message. And if there isn't, well, there we go. I've just got a little bit of extra cash. I pray and I decide because I'm not giving to the person. I'm not giving to the event. I'm giving to God, right? So I decide what I'm going to give to God. I pray about it and I'm ready to go. I have been in some events and the offering message was a stinker. I put the money in there anyway. 
I've been to some events and the offering message was phenomenal. I felt like getting saved again. I put the money in there anyway because it's not about what happens on stage. It's about my encounter with God. And I say to the Lord, Lord, this $20 or whatever it is, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I want to honour you, God. I want to honour your presence. I want to honour encounter with you. I am prioritising this over what else I could do with this money, going to McDonald's or buying something for my stereo, whatever. This money, Lord God, this goes to you because I want you to know I am prioritising an encounter with you. I'm desperate for you to show up, Lord, right? It's not about bribing God before anyone emails me. It's not about that. It's about demonstrating because how many know that we care about our money? We get all funny about money. You talk about money, someone gets upset. I'm sure someone will probably even get upset about the Miracle Month thing. People always do get upset about money because it's close to our heart. That's why I bring those two things up. So I challenge myself. You know... With this particular leader, summer, I wanna, I won't name them because I know they want to be anonymous. But um, proof of this: when we put on the event, and I was drawing up the budget. Rule number one: if you're running an event, is you never run an event at a loss. You don't run an event to lose money. That's bad stewardship, right? I felt like God said to me, "Run it at a loss." I said, Lord, what are you talking about? That's bad stewardship. He said, no, no, no. We've got to get kids and teenagers to encounter the presence of God. Just, just make kids free, charge teenagers five bucks, and if they can't afford it, tell Kim to bring them in anyway. Go all out. All you can eat, pizza, we're bringing a rock wall in, all that. Just, just go all out. I said, Lord, I will lose a lot of money if we do that. The board will kill me, God. He goes, just, just do what I'm telling you to do, Phil. I said, all right, Lord. All right, God. God's waving my death certificate, so I'm okay, but, you know, like, well. Had a couple people come up to me, say, hey, we've been praying, and we just felt like God saying that kids really need to encounter God. And what we really want you to do is, like, I hope you don't mind, we just want to give you a whole lot of money so that you can invest it into the program for the kids and the teenagers so they could have really great encounters with God. Do you want to know the wild thing? They gave me the amount of money to actually make it reset so the event doesn't actually add at a loss. How incredible is that? So they have honoured the Lord. They have prioritised Him right before glory and right before power. I believe that kids are going to encounter God. Teenagers are going to encounter God. Some life-changing things are going to happen because they made a conscious decision before they got there. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. All right. Last bit of scripture and last point. Suddenly they heard a sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. This is a bit Pentecostals get excited about. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could hear. And then at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes and it separated into tongues of fire and engulfed each one of them. And they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Verse 5. Now at the time there were Jewish worshippers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem and when the people of the city heard the roaring sound, the crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own language? We are northern Iranians, uh, northwestern Iranians, Elamites, and those from Mesopotamia, Judea, east, central Turkey, and the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, north central Turkey, southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans, and the neighbours of Syria, and visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yet here they are speaking the mighty, uh, the mighty wonders in our own dialects. And we all stood there, dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, what is this phenomenon? Verse 13. 
But others poked fun at them and said, they're just drunk on new wine. Peter stood up with the uh, 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Judaism. Because remember, the streets would have been packed at this festival, right? You need to clearly understand what is happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Um, this is the fulfilment of what is prophesied through the prophet Joel, the God that says, this is what I'll do in the last days. I'll pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy and I will reveal startling signs. Come on, who wants to see startling signs? And wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below, blood and fire and pillars of clouds will appear for the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red before the great and awesome appearance of the day of the Lord. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fourth and final point, and I'll get keys to come up. Some walls need to come down, but others need to come up. Some walls need to come down, but others need to come up. I think there's a misconception when it comes to moves of God. When people are like, I just got to let all my walls down, and whatever God wants to do, He'll do. I actually don't think that that's true. Hang with me. You, the walls between you and God... Definitely bring those down. But there are people, the enemy will send them, I guarantee it, right? Who will get in your head and will can talk you out of an encounter with God. Talk you out of what you've seen. Talk you out of what you're gonna see. Sometimes the enemy will just whisper a thought into your head. And when it comes to that, your walls need to be up. I go into that week and you, there's always... That's the week that I've had a car accident or that's the week that some Muppet, you know, in front of me at McDonald's has just turned around and given me a verbal spray. That's the week that a bill came out of nowhere. That's the week that someone just gets aggro for no reason. That tends to be the week that those things happen. But I have my wall up saying, you know what? Yeah, no, I don't wanna hear it. I'm not gonna let it affect me. It's not gonna enter my heart because I got an encounter with God. I got a date book with Jesus Christ and nothing's gonna ruin that. I'm gonna encounter the presence of God. I'm, I, you know, and I may not always understand what God is doing, but He's doing something and I'm gonna celebrate it and I'll figure it out later on. I'm not listening to the voice that says it isn't the Holy Spirit, they're just drunk. I'm not gonna listen to that voice. I'm gonna focus on what God is actually doing in the room. God will do things, let me tell you, and the enemy will wanna talk you out of them. God will do things in your family and the enemy will wanna talk you out of it. Push those voices aside, pop your walls up and say, I'm not listening, talk to the hand. I'm not focusing on that right now. I am focusing on what God has spoken to me because there's nothing sadder, there's nothing more depressing than when a Christian encounters God, walks out of the room and gets talked out of that God encounter because of what the enemy's doing. Well, you know what I say to the devil? Get stuffed. I'm not interested. I don't wanna hear it. Go away, talk to somebody else. I have encountered God. I'm hanging on to that God encounter. I grew up in the country, right? We had a big old water tank, big old water tank. It would rain and the tank would fill. I remember my mate's son, this was not me, as a joke, although he got the hiding of his life, so I don't think he found it funny afterwards. After the rain, so all the water came out. And dad was not happy. <laughs> Mum was not happy. They had lost all the water from the tank. They had to buy more water in. So the rain came. The breakthrough that they were praying for came and it all just ended up dissipating on the ground under the heat. I know Christians who do that. We encounter God. 
the spiritual rain falls and the enemy comes in and says, do you mind if I just pull this plug out? And we go, so he pulls it out and we lose it all. Oh, that word wasn't really for you. Nah, you're, nah, you're not. He's, Paul's got you wrong. You know, someone else gets a word and you think, I think that's for me. Because God does sometimes do that. I've had that happen before. And then the voice in your head says, no, it's not. Don't be stupid. Why would you get a word like that? You're not important. If you were important, you would have got a word. So you go, oh, yeah. Take the plug out. Ah, you know what? It's just leadership. I'm not a leader anyway. I don't even know why I'm here. Pull the plug out. What's the point of inviting my grandkids? They may not come. Pull the plug out. And what happens is the rain of the Holy Spirit that falls on the room, you lose it when you go out in the car park. Has anyone ever had that? I don't know about you, just being real. I had to learn this one the hard way. I'd come in dry, I got filled up and I was dry 15 minutes later again. It was like all of that I put in was just for nothing. You have got to learn that when it comes to the enemy, put your walls up. I'm not interested. Don't be afraid to say this, to just change the topic of conversation. I'll just change the topic. I don't want to hear it. I will not let anybody rob the encounter that I've had with the Holy Spirit. I have worked my guts to get that. The enemy can just go away. Let's pray, shall we? I pray for two kinds of people. First people I want to pray for is people that I pray for every time I preach the gospel, which is people who need the salvation encounter with Jesus Christ. I can't think of a better setup for next week than you encountering Jesus as Lord and Saviour. I'm not asking what your Facebook status is. I'm not asking what you filled out on the census when it came through a month ago. I'm asking, is Jesus Lord, which means He's in charge, and Saviour, which means He forgives every single thing you've ever done in your whole life, is He Lord and Saviour of your life? Now, maybe He was at some point, real talk. You might even have been in a moment like this where you put your hand up like this and you prayed a prayer like this. But if you're real and you're honest, you're calling the shots in your life. He ain't Lord anymore. You're making decisions that you know don't make Him happy. And you're telling Him just to back off there, son. I've made this call. And this is one of those moments where you reset it. Or maybe you've just never done anything like this and you're like, man, I need this. Don't go out the same. Go out changed. So while everyone's got their eyes closed and no one's looking around, see, you've got some privacy. I just want to pray for people. You stay there, I'll stay here. But just so I know who I'm praying for. If you're like, man, I I need Jesus as Lord and Saviour of my life, just so I know while no one's looking around, while everyone's got their eyes closed, can I just get you to slip up your hand just so I know who I'm praying for? Once I've seen it, you can put it down. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Anybody else? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Anybody else? Come on, don't go out 99% sure you're cool with God. Go out 100% sure. Thank you. I see that hand. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Anybody else? Man, bunch of hands. So cool. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer. It's a repeat after me prayer, so you don't have to stress about the wording. The end of that prayer, you're going to be a Christian. Everything I preach today will be true for you and true for your life. But so you're not praying it on your own, you don't feel outed or anything, I'm going to get all the Christians in the room to pray along with us. And hey, we're in a church. There's a lot of Christians. So you're going to be cool. Are you ready? Dear Lord Jesus, please come into my life. Please forgive me for my sins. Take over the Lordship of my life. Help me to follow you all my days in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, let's give those people a hand. There's a bunch of people that have made a decision for Jesus. We are so stoked that you've done that. You're probably wondering, what can I do now that I've made that decision? Well, let me give you three steps. The first thing is I think you should tell somebody. 
You don't have to be embarrassed about that. It's like the best thing that you ever possibly could have done. Even if you've recommitted your life to Jesus for the 900th time. It's amazing news. If you're not sure who to tell, come and tell Krista or myself or one of the other leaders. We're just stoked that you made that decision. That's the first thing you should tell somebody. Second thing is you should get a hold of a Bible. We just read a few verses out of order and it changed our moment. Imagine if you did that every day, what your life would look like. To help you understand the Bible, because you might say, well, I've already got one. It's kind of a bit confusing. We have a course called Foundations. It's It's online. It doesn't take more than five minutes a day. It's not designed to bug you. It's not another thing you have to sign up for. We'll just send you an email every day for 12 days and that's it. We'll stop. It'll be no spam. And it's designed just to help you unpack and understand the Bible so that you can go on your walk with Jesus. The link is on the screen. And the last thing is I think you should get plugged into a church because how many know that Christianity is better with friends? Give us a wave if you know that, right? It's just better. It just is. And so if you're visiting, you're just passing through like Eagle was saying before and you're from some far-flung part of Australia or the world, like just come and chat to me afterwards. I'll help you find a church where you're from. But if you're in this area, I think this is a pretty good church. Who thinks this is a pretty good church? I'm biased because I'm up here, but like these people aren't. They've just said, you want some of them. So you should, you should head along to that. The last, I said two groups, the last group of people I want to pray and I'll close this service. I actually want to start praying now for a God encounter next week. I, I really, really do think that this is going to be a significant week. And I actually think that people are going to get find their calling next week. There are some people that are going to find called to the business world, called to the ministry world. Um, but, but not just younger people. I actually sense that there are older people and you fulfilled the first part of your mission. And God's like, there's more to do. And He's going to begin to speak to people about influence. He's going to begin to speak to people about things. I know for my life, I'm wanting an encounter with God. I'm wanting more of God's anointing. I know for my children, I'm wanting them to encounter God. So come on, if you're wanting a God encounter for next week, I just want you to stand to your feet. Might just be me. I don't care. I'll pray like a maniac on my own. If you're like, man, I'm ready for for a God encounter. Maybe you are going to be in a hazmat suit in Victoria next week. And you're like, but I I just want other people to encounter God anyway. I don't care. Yeah, that's crazy. That's wild. I I appreciate it. We are going to pray. Now, I could just pray on my own. That'd be a cool spectacle. Someone will film it and put it on YouTube. That'd be great. But um, I'm not the only one who wants an encounter. So if you want an encounter, I'm going to ask you to pray too. Maybe you're someone who never prays out aloud. Just try praying out aloud for once. That might be a radical step for you. Maybe you're not someone who normally prays for your wife or your kids or your husband or whatever in a public setting. Go for it. See what happens, right? Let's pray for like two minutes two wild, crazy, Pentecostal minutes that God does something. Pray over the atmosphere in this room. I can already sense it in my spirit. The atmosphere is beginning to shift. Remember, pray over the atmosphere in the room. Set expectations. Now, even as I'm talking, think in your heart, what do you actually want God to do? What are you actually expecting God? Are you just expecting another weekend? Or are you expecting something radical to begin to shift in your life? There's a reason we're putting this on. I don't need another thing on a Friday night or a Saturday. I'd much rather be at home watching sport, except for the fact that I know that there is something more significant than sport this coming weekend. There is an encounter with the living God that will shift something in this church. I fundamentally believe it. I do not think it's an accident that we've had a whole bunch of pushback on this. I think the enemy knows that God is gonna shift gears in this church and we are about to be part of something special. So that's my expectation too. What's your expectation? What are you actually believing that God is going to do? Your inputs will determine your output. So in a moment when we pray, you pray a little, little quiet, little mouse prayer, you might get a little quiet, little mouse response from the Holy Spirit next week. You pray big, loud, bold, crazy, enthusiastic prayers, you're going to get a big, loud, bold, enthusiastic response.
response from the Holy Spirit, right? What you sow, you reap. How many know that, right? Honour precedes glory and power. I want a glory and power encounter this coming weekend. So I will publicly honour the presence of God in this moment, even if the church thinks I'm a maniac. I can live with that. What I can't live with is not encountering the presence of God, right? And I will lower my walls between me and God and I will raise my walls consciously right now. In the next week, enemy, talk to somebody else. Phil is not going to answer that phone call. I'm only interested in the presence of God. Are you ready? Two minutes on the count of three. One, get ready to raise your voice. Maybe even raise your hands. Maybe even move around a little bit. If you're someone that paces when you pray like I do, get into the aisle, I don't care. Two, we're getting ready to lift up the presence of God. We are setting the encounter. We are sowing right now what we wanna reap this coming weekend. Three, come on, begin to lift your voice right now. Front to back, left to right. Get wild, get loud. Tell God what you want. Tell God what your expectation is. Tell Him that you're expecting an encounter. Lift your voice up. Lord God, right now, even as the, the week is uh, is beginning, Lord Jesus, it's five days, Lord God, to go. I pray right now that, that there would be a shift in the atmosphere. In the Name of Jesus, I surrender the atmosphere in this place to You, Lord God. I declare that Your will is gonna come to pass on earth as it is in heaven. That Lord God, there is gonna be an open heaven, Lord God, over this place. That we are gonna receive a touch from You, Holy Spirit, that is life-changing. That there's gonna be a deposit in the atmosphere of Your anointing, Your power, Your influence and Your glory, Lord God. That we are gonna be challenged and shaped and changed, Lord God. I pray for every young person, whether they be five or 15, Lord God, that they would have a radical encounter with You, Lord God that You would speak to them about their life and their calling, Lord God, about every aspect of things, Lord God, that You would shake them in the presence of Lord Jesus. God, I pray for older people, Lord God, who think that their time is done. I've just ticked a box, Lord God, that You'd give them a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. They would be like Caleb. They would get a brand new mission from God, Lord God, that they would relentlessly pursue, Lord Jesus. God, I pray for grandparents, that You would deposit a Holy Ghost influence on them with their grandkids, for parents whose kids are away from God, that You'd give them strategies that weekend for business leaders, Lord God, that You'd help them to navigate this tricky season in business, Lord God, with the wisdom to know what to do, when to say it, something, when to stay quiet, Lord God, all of that kind of stuff, Lord Jesus. And I pray right now for Shiloh, this church, Your church, Your house where You've called me, Lord God. I pray right now that this would be a gear shifting moment, that we would go into high gear, that we'd put our foot to the floor, Lord God, that we would move fast to pursue You, Lord God. We would go in the direction that You would want us to go in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, everybody said, nice and loud, everybody said, hallelujah. Let's give God a hand. I am Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. You can connect with us at shilohchurch.com.au.